so very good day. Welcome, everybody. The date is the 28th of November 2022. Well, here on the Costa Blanca, it is uh, absolutely lovely today. It's probably just a little fresh, but after the heat that we've uh, all had during the summer, it's quite uh, pleasant. Bit of wind about, nice definition on the mountain. I'm staying local as I'm going across to talk to Graham Ashton any second. So, very good day and welcome to you, Graham. Um, good morning. Where exactly are you? Uh, I'm in Pago. Oh, just up the road, as they say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Lovely. Yeah. Okay, so just to... bang between Valencia and Alicante. Yes. Just, uh, nice distance. So. Well, uh, let me just also say to our listeners uh, just how we, we met, because uh, we have a very, very good Sunday market. Um, uh, I'm not saying that uh, everything in the market is wonderful quality or anything like that. I'm just saying that if you like to have a lovely long walk and meet interesting people and find things that maybe you don't know about, uh, then it's ideal, which is what I did about um, about four weeks ago now. And, of course, uh, it, lots has happened uh, or have happened uh, during the uh, interim period. But... Uh, Graham and I, uh, we, ju- we just met because Graham has a, a stall in that market. Probably others. I'm going to find out as we talk. So, uh, first and foremost, let me ask you, how did you start your stall? And is it the only one you do? Or am I guessing correctly that you visit other markets? Uh, yeah, primarily, it's mainly um, always been fair hell. Although uh, I've tended to, um, to alternate occasionally and go to Pedregur. Um, but things have changed a little bit there over time. Uh, the market seems to be a bit quieter there, um, although it's a little bit more organised to get into the um, the places in, in Pedregur, whereas Vechel, because of how popular it is, it, it's very narrow. And, um, yeah, I think the, the way they filter people in could, could make it easier for people to get in. So, so I tend to, you know, because it's so close to home, uh, Pedregur is not that, that much further really either, but... Uh, yeah, I tend to alternate between those two. Okay. And uh, as I explained, because uh, before we came to live here, we lived the other side of the Monko Mountain, which uh, is, of course, it's almost like a, it's a definitive point for people who are expats here because our broadcasting area, when I was with Ondothero, um tended to end at that mountain. So uh, because of that, really, uh, I'd be driving up to Valencia and I'd see the market on the other side of the road and not the Verhel, mm-hmm. obviously, one. Uh, but, y- you know, it's just I was aware the markets were here, but um, I've never been the biggest of market goers, although down in Alfaz would be one that, you know, we go to fairly regularly. Um, but okay. it, it's, it is quite a big part of life out here in Spain. So uh, let me just preface everything by asking you where did you come from in the uk and then how did you get into the markets um well lived all over in the uk but um ultimately before i moved back to spain i uh, was living in the leeds area uh but but mainly in north yorkshire before that um where they do the three peaks race and um yeah no the, the markets was a bit of um happening into it really because um some friends of ours used to do one down in benidorm 
um, and she used to bring clothes over from the UK and there'd be various things, you know, that would sell really well here. But some of the kind of dynamic of the market had changed, you know, over the 10 years since she'd started doing that. Um, but with it being on our doorstep, um, you know, it, it was just a really handy spot and particularly with the amount of plants that I've got to, to have a sort of outlet without actually having a shop here. But, um, you know, a way of getting down and, uh, and being able to, uh, yeah, find, find a space to, uh, to promote and sell the plants, basically. Okay, now we're going to come into uh, plants in a couple of minutes. Uh, uh-huh. And uh, before we get there, uh, you do have a background also in languages, don't you? Yes, yeah. Yeah, well, uh, I've been teaching uh, languages for, um, well, over 10 years in the UK before I moved back to Spain in 2016. Um, have done some English classes for Spanish here because obviously there's a lot of demand for it. Um, and even though English is my mother tongue, uh, it, I'm, I'm far more comfortable teaching Spanish to English people, understanding the sort of difficulties they have towards approaching it. Um, and other languages as well, like uh, French and Italian that I teach. Uh, but obviously not as much demand over here now. Um, so, uh, so yeah, um, and it's always given me that flexibility, you know, to, to do little groups, do one-to-ones. And, and then, as I say, as aside from that, with, with having the passion for the plants, um, it's just, it's kind of grown from being something that was, you know, just a bit of a hobby in a garden to the, to the point where I've, I've nearly got a, an aloe farm, you know, it's, uh, it's huge. So uh, Very interesting because you do meet people in life and you almost feel you're predestined to have a mm-hmm. chat about certain things because my background is in colleges, um, in radio obviously, and also I worked at Dutchie College Horticultural um, part of uh, Dutchie College down in Cornwall. So mm-hmm. plants um, is part of what the, uh, or plants are part of what the uh, college was about. It's Prince mm-hmm. Charles then, King Charles's uh, uh, college down in Cornwall. And, okay. and so, uh, you know, obviously, Obviously, the first thing that was interesting to me was um, I just spotted that you were trying to educate people as mm. to what can be done with aloe vera. So um, that's really the topic we're looking at today. But we've given a nice flavour of who we are and why we're talking about it. Mm. OK, so um, I've always been quite into um, looking at alternative medicine, always. Yeah. Um, okay. Certainly during the 80s, I started uh, following uh, Dr. Vernon Coleman, who used to write for a paper down in the West Country, very much uh, one of these people that queries everything. And uh-huh. I've also um, seen many things now, which lead me to, for example, uh, talk about Big Pharma and the fact that uh, the Rockefeller Foundation was built on trying to make sure nobody managed to get uh, the sort of natural medicines that people Mm. can get. Now, this is an area which uh, I think we all need to uh, get more information as much as possible. So, uh, first of all, what attracted you to uh, horticulture? And then what attracted you to aloe vera in particular? Uh, well, long story with the, uh, I've always had some sort of connection. Uh, my grandparents, um, had a big, uh, orchard and a big, uh, big garden. So, um, on one side they were always green fingered and I think, uh, that must've rubbed off on me. And then, as I say, growing up in the Yorkshire Dales as well, surrounded by, you know, such lovely areas of natural beauty that most people like to try and escape to. 
Um, and then I think as well, uh, Botanical Gardens, there was the, um, in Lancaster was the Ashton Hall Memorial with the butterfly um, house in there and uh, Japanese gardens and things like that. So quite a diverse kind of influence on what had had an early sort of impact on both like landscape gardening and interesting plants and, and things just in general. I think probably from an aesthetic point of view, just initially, um, and then as time had gone on uh, with my interest in martial arts, um, bonsais came onto the scene when I was probably about 10 or 12 or something like that. Um, and, you know, you didn't find those much in the UK back then. Um, and because we were living in Holland at the time, there's lots of plant nurseries there and, and, and places where they, they had nice bonsais. So, um, so yeah, you know, there was all, all sorts like that. And then um, moving back over to Spain, um, obviously small things in pots like that tend to dry up pretty quickly. So um, whilst they're, they're, they're lovely, they're, you know, pretty high maintenance unless you've got them on a drip feed system and, mm-hmm. and moisture and all sorts, you know, and, unless you're there to water them two or three times a day. So um, I think um, some of my uh, interest kind of shifted towards uh, Mediterranean plants. Um, and, well, probably back in, this was, this was around 2000, actually. I worked for a couple of years in a garden centre uh, near Lancaster. And um, we had a lot of um, sort of uh, Italian imports. So palm trees that would take decades and decades to grow in the UK, grow pretty quick over here. So, you know, you'd be buying specimen stock that's already a good meter or two high and, and look very impressive in gardens um so i think that was one of those things that got me more onto the the side of um mediterranean gardens interesting then, um, uh, other other things are coming up already which uh, just endorse the way i feel about why you meet people who you meet mm-hmm. etc uh, my background also in martial arts uh, also i've got one of my regular correspondents um rob daniels is from bridlington um, okay. uh-huh. Yeah, you know, it just goes on and on that you, you see there's a very good reasoning why you you meet people and talk to people, you know. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, so the the plant that took um, our imagination was a one that as we were walking by, um, aloe vera has always been something that I've been attracted to. It's almost like it's mm. saying, you know, come and meet me a bit bit more and I've never had it enough time or you know inclination to actually find out a bit more about the plant so uh, first of all does that uh, actually have a literal English translation or it, do, do do people just say oh aloe vera just leave it like that yeah yeah no well uh, most of um, I don't think there is a common name actually there's, there's, there's so many plants that people know by the common names and then uh, other plants that are I mean, obviously, something as short as aloe and vera. In fact, the amount of people that come along that see any sort of aloe, and there are thousands of different aloes, and they think all of them are aloe vera. (laughs) Um, And whilst the gel from all of them is the same in in the properties it has, you get all sorts of little decorative ones that you could never harvest enough gel from to either eat or use for skincare or things like that. Um, So the aloe vera is the one that's the the biggest and the most vigorous growing. and as I say, you know, I think with it being one of those short names, there, there are other things like, I think, I don't know if we were looking at the Tradiscantes we had on there, long-winded Italian names, like that, you know, mm-hmm. uh, Latin names for, for plants, um, often people find difficult to remember, you know, so, uh, but uh, no, I think with aloe vera, I've, I've never heard some other 
other name. I think it's quite universal in that sense. Yeah. Um, well, I've just come back from four days in Rome, which again, uh, you, you've got the Latin. Uh, I did uh-huh. la- I did do Latin at school. And uh-huh. so, you know, all these little things that uh, we don't really always see as important in our formative years. Um, for example, I, I speak to people who don't speak any Spanish or relatively uh-huh. little. And I, I always try to explain that, you know, if, if you go to Italy, uh, like I've just done, I mean, I was actually able to understand most of uh, a, a simple conversation, you know, yeah. which I would never have done, I don't think, had I not, A, learned Latin at school and then, B, obviously learned Spanish when I came here. Um, mm-hmm. But to go to the the plant now I, I don't want to appear like i know a lot about it so i'm uh, i'm going to every now and again probably come back to a basic thing i'll ask you um yeah, that's fine. because you know our listeners i want them to be attracted to the fact that this plant can do so much for us so mm-hmm. um as as any um, probably half decent um interviewers should always do i went and looked a little bit de- deeper at what we're going to talk about uh-huh. and so i see it's written up as um 12 vitamins 20 minerals 18 amino uh-huh. acids and then antioxidants yeah. now uh, to put that into a layman's term and you, you know uh, to keep things as slim- simple as possible the minute i see vitamins minerals I'm fine with them. I do very, very mm-hmm. well. You know, I look yeah. very quickly. But when it comes to the amino acids and the antioxidants, yeah. um, can you explain a little bit more about that area to us? Yeah, well, I mean, uh, as, as far as the actual sort of nutritional side and the, the chemistry of it goes, um, I'm far from an expert. I have a, a quite a big um, interest in nutrition in the background and similar to yourself, um, a sort of, um, growing interest in medicinal uses of things um, and I think it's nice that more and more people aside from you know the typical L'Oreal adverts where they try and bamboozle people with something that sounds like and it's got such and such an ingredient you go wow it must be good for me um, it's more and more people are becoming informed about um, you know the, the the benefits of more than just what you would as you described there you know simple things as the vitamins um, and I think this is one of the things that amazes me with the aloe vera so much is that um, it, it's so underestimated. You know, I think for a lot of people, I mean, for me in the first place, really, it was like, oh, that looks pretty. It's quite structural. It's nice. They have a fantastic flower spike that comes up um, periodically. It's uh, like over a meter tall and, you know, look really impressive. But as, as soon as you start looking into all of the, the health benefits, it's um, it's amazing because I think that there's – you know, there's obviously a lot of plants that can cause problems for some people or have contraindications if they're on other medications. I think, I think this is one of nature's biggest presents to us because it, it seems to cause very little problem for hardly anyone. I mean, they always recommend you do a skin test or anything to make sure you're not allergic. And the same would go if you're going to consume it as a drink or, or in a salad or something like that. And, um, you know, obviously you need to know how to prepare it because the outer skin has a very strong iodine in um it was often used for, you know, um, treating wounds. Um, so, so again, you know, this is why taking a raw leaf off a plant, if you're sunburned or if you've got an injury, straight away it's got those antibiotic properties and um, it's taking care of you. But also it's a very strong laxative. So if you were just to simply go, oh, I'll, I'll try biting this leaf and give it a try, um, then you, you're going to know about it a, a <laughs> short time later. Um but yeah, you know, it's like with anything, and this is why I think the education side of it is really important because 
a lot of people are used to buying things pre-packaged or they have all sorts of other preservatives and things. And if you understand a little bit about how to harvest the plant, how to prepare it, then, you know, there's 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 no issues with it. And as I say, there's, there's so many benefits. And, you know, with a lot of things, there's often pros and cons. You've got to out, outweigh, you know, what the drawbacks are. And, and there seems to be virtually virtually no drawbacks to using it in, in any sort of different um, sort of context. Uh, I mean, certainly some of the things I've, I've heard and read about recently um, are verging more on, you know, quite specific sort of medical use for it. Um, but I think there's a lot of things where, like using herbal teas, where there's things where it can help your digestion rather than going, right, you have some serious digestional problem that you need to see a doctor or you need some surgery or you need a strong medicine that will, you know, um, attack something first and then something like aloe that will help support your system. Um, I think one of the things that everyone's become more and more conscious of as well is, is their general health and immunity. Um, so with, with the combination of all the vitamins and the, the antibiotic properties of it, um, something, you know, consuming a, a certain amount of aloe vera juice on a regular basis is... Uh, is a, I think, a highly recommendable sort of thing. Uh, okay, that that's an interesting one to me because it's something that um, uh, I can see very quickly is, uh, is it relates to other areas of my own life because, mm-hmm. um, as I think I, I told you earlier, uh, I started reading this uh, Dr. Vernon Coleman who used to be quite outspoken in a lot of ways. Uh-huh. Um, but, yeah. but then as I was travelling back down from the airport at Valencia last night, um, I revisited this uh, video that uh, I had seen earlier. But, you know, it's again describing how the pharmacy companies um, really have been a little bit naughty, to say the very mm. least. And uh, certainly, yeah, much. you know, the name of uh, Rockefeller, we used to sort of joke about his money, but I don't think we knew enough about what uh, was actually happening and how that money was made. And mm. if I just look at the figure given, which is probably out of, out of date, but they were talking about a $13 billion per year industry of aloe vera. Uh-huh. So mm-hmm. the minute the money's there, you, you can follow the money trail. And uh, yeah, now, yeah. now you can see a little bit of a, a, a way to get around this. So um, well, let's talk about accelerating the healing then. So if you've got something like... Uh, now, this year has been a good example. I think mm-hmm. either they've had more pesticides or whether the atmosphere has changed a little bit, or whether mm-hmm. people might subscribe to, uh, there's been a particular um, theory going round about these vapour trails that um, people are putting out with all sorts of things dropping down on us. Uh, I don't uh-huh. know how true that is, but I've spoken to a lot of people who are not outrageously um, active in in sort of being um, an activist or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, but they've yep. said that this year they have felt there's been more things that's been interfering with the skin. I don't know whether okay. I, I don't know whether that's come into your sphere of influence at all. But no, I, I couldn't say I've heard anything particular uh, to to that degree. Um, I think you, you you know you do get cycles in things as well where there's you know certain um, boom of like i remember one year the, the last year that i was living around leeds before i moved back to spain uh, there was suddenly an explosion of ladybirds and then another year here we had a, a sudden explosion of like flying ants and, you know you get these cycles of various different things that are uh, affected by other uh, you know environmental factors i'm thinking and, uh, uh, would that would that have been mid 
mid-70s, uh, about 77, 78, for the Ladybirds? Yeah, there was one, actually. The, the, the year I was born, actually, 76. Mm. Um, my mum commented, as well as being one of the hottest summers, and whether the heat was part of a, an element of that. Um, yeah, there's, there's, there was a big boom of Ladybirds then, but I think, yeah, no, it was 2000. In fact, no, tell lie, it wasn't 16 when... When they were, it was a couple of years before. It was 2014, actually. Right. Now, now that I think about it, and um, yeah, you know, there, there's a lot of things like that. That and, until until it's an epidemic, or until it's a thing, or until there's a sudden population explosion, there's a lot of things that you can take for granted or or, or overlook. And um, and suddenly, you know, obviously, if something's a pest or a problem, then it kind of grabs people's attention a little bit more because they feel they you know need to deal with it. And like you say, if you know people feel like they're having skin issues. Uh, I think, you know, a lot of people have become far more uh, conscious of, of being in good health and maintaining good immunity. And um, so, you know, that has a far reaching effect too. you know, obviously, if you live over here and you, you enjoy sunbathing, then obviously having that uh, skin protection and and having, um, you know, after sun care as well. If uh, if you do get a little bit burnt, there's, you know, things like that. OK, well, obviously. Again, uh, I'm I'm leaning heavily on uh, two things. Obviously, my own experience of life, and then the mm-hmm. the internet, uh, which tells me that um, particularly uh, good for accelerating healing, uh, redness, itching, and infections. So, yeah. if we have those type of problems, mm-hmm. then um, if you could go over for our listeners. What would be the best way that somebody can use the plant? Uh, what, uh-huh. would they, what would they do to prepare it and everything? Okay. So, you know, if, if you've got a rash or a graze or something or some minor wound, not, not anything that's a deep wound that would need a stitch or a suture or something like that, but something where you're just trying to stop uh, infection getting into the wound, simply cutting the leaf as it is straight off the plant um, and applying some of that, even whilst the brown juice of the, the iodine is coming out, um, at that point, you, you're introducing a minor amount, and it's actually on the on the surface of the skin, uh, like a lot of p- plasters used to have iodine in them as well. You know, as part of the sort of brown constituent and part of the smell of the plaster before the new plasticky ones. So, you know, that that can go straight on the skin that way. If you if you're talking about consuming it, you need to uh, be letting some of that iodine drain off. So you would normally harvest the leaf. You leave it to stand um, with the cut section down, uh, put it on something that it's not going to stain because it does leave quite a, a strong dark mark. Um, and then, you know, if you're going to prepare it for eating, they tend to recommend that you actually, once you've trimmed the uh, the spines off the leaf and then you've cut the large segment of the gel out of the middle, uh, generally to soak that in water for sort of, um, you know, uh, around an hour. Um but yeah, no, for, for, for use on an injury, you can use it pretty much straight away. Um, or as we tend to do, we tend to have little uh, sections that are about three inches by the width of the leaf uh, cut already in the fridge. So they're nice and chilled. Um, and the aloe often starts to heal its own wound. It starts to close up the bit where the cut is. Uh, so it stays fresh for quite a while, particularly for, for use on the skin. If you've got it in the fridge in a little tub. And uh, so it's great, you know, if it's something more like sunburn than, than a cut or an injury. Uh, the fact that it's chilled as well, that you can take it out and, um, you know, you you can keep reapplying it. The gel, has a, um, it's a little bit like the where you used to get the, the spray on plaster. It forms like a second skin. But what happens with it being a gel is it can rehydrate. So, uh, obviously, if you've, you've got sunburn, you apply some aloe and you go for a swim, it's going to wash off. So you need to put it on again. Um, 
but it's great because it lets the skin breathe a bit like you know the idea with our spray on plasters and um but but gives you that protection as well um during that early phase whilst it's trying to uh trying to heal and not get an infection yeah uh, and uh, when you started getting in- involved and interested in all this um, mm-hmm. Did it come from a personal problem and then you looked for an answer or was it basically that you'd heard these things and thought, well, you know, that's worth trying? Uh, a little bit of both, actually. I think um, years and years ago when I first visited the Canary Islands, um, I wound up buying some aloe vera soap there. Um, and one thing I've suffered with for quite a long time was uh, eczema on my hands. Um, so particularly if I get anywhere near um dishwashing liquid or things like that or bleach or any sort of stronger chemicals tend to um you know upset my hands quite a bit so i've often tried to avoid you know old-fashioned soaps um and and some of the 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 sort of liquid soaps that used to have um used to you know cause quite a lot of irritation so i'd always look for something natural like that um and i found that one of the the best things that helped particularly when you've got cracked skin you know if the eczema is really dry um, is that by having soaked your hands in the first place and then trapping that layer of moisture in with the gel um, is, is fantastic because what would normally maybe take about a week or so having plaster and things like Savlon or, or whatever to stop it being cracked within a couple of days um, is, is already, you know, sort of getting pretty much back to normal, mm. giving the skin cells below a chance to, uh, to repair themselves and the new ones come through. It's interesting because uh, two things sprang to my mind. First of all, when I was a, a, a lad, um, my dad used to have terrible chapped skins. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he, he used to have the, the really bad chaps on his fingers. And yeah. obviously, when you now are talking about things that you can quickly remember, he must have really uh-huh. had a lot of dif- difficult times with that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then later in life, um, I was selling uh, for a brokerage company and... Um, Savlon was one of the products that we sold. Mm. So again, you know, without really probably understanding as much now, uh, then, sorry, as I do now, um, you know, we always knew that Savlon was something you've got an open cut very quickly, get the Savlon, and it tended to do very well. Um, Okay, the next one that I was looking at, these are claims from the internet pages. So, Uh you know, I'd obviously warn any of our listeners that um, uh, that's where I'm getting my information from, just to make sure that um, I don't want to sound like I'm some sort of latter-day doctor. (laughs) There's no way. I'm just asking the questions to make sure um, that Uh if we've got any information we can help you with, then uh, another claim is the reduction of dental plaque. Now, is that something that you subscribe to or is it something that you know about? No, that's not something I've heard of, actually. Um, recently, someone was telling me about mouth ulcers. That, yeah, that's um, the next one. Uh, someone yeah. had suffered with that, that, um, you know, just rubbing that on the inside of the mouth within a couple of days was gone. And this is why I say, I think even after you've leached off the iodine from uh, from the leaf, after you've initially cut it, uh, there remains a certain probably small amount of, um, you know, sort of stronger antibiotic properties that way. And, and again, with it being, you know, safe to ingest, because there's some plants, you know, obviously a quite small amount can be really toxic with this. You know, there's no problem whether it's for use on your skin or, or whether you were putting it in your mouth or, you know, um, other things like that. So there's a lot of sensitive areas that you would normally have to be careful or, or not use certain medicines for. And um, But no, no, I'm not uh, as far as the actual plaque uh, goes. Um, but, do you know, I'm, every day I'm amazed because there's more and more 
that find out about it that um, are almost what I class as fringe benefits. You know, there's the there's the main things that are where it would just be highly recommendable because I can't see any people who it wouldn't in some way improve their diet or 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 help reduce the chance of them having other complications or issues aside from having an actual um, you know condition that they're, they're trying to treat. You know, whether yeah. it's a a dietary issue or not? Or. Well, I know um, when I was doing a very, very high-pressured um, uh, selling job, uh, mm-hmm. I got lots of um, anxiety and uh, executive stress eventually it was diagnosed uh-huh. as. But that manifested itself into um, queasy stomach and all this sort of stuff. And the doctors were clueless. They really didn't have a clue as to what yeah. really was causing, A, causing the problem, and then B, mm-hmm. um, actually what they could be helping me with, apart from giving me a bottle of peppermint stuff, which did nothing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I ultimately, um, I went to a hypnotherapist uh, at a time when hypnotherapy was even outlawed. outlawed. Right. Um, so yeah. they weren't allowed to advertise. Um, uh-huh. And then eventually I did do a, a study on the hypnotherapy side and find a lot more which helped me eventually to get over the problem. But uh-huh. um, that leads us nicely into the ulcers because um, not only do you get, obviously, the, the ulcer that you have in your mouth, which, of course, can mm. come from something as simple as maybe a toothbrush or something that you poke, maybe even while you're using a, a toothpick, you know, you can yeah, give, yeah. give yourself yeah. a little ulcer. But, of course, when it comes to an ulcer in the stomach, um, I yeah. do, do know that the um, the fluid from your stomach, if you could leak that onto a carpet, it, it would burn its way through, so I'm told. Yeah, there's there's some paradoxes with with your stomach acid and and you know your whole in in internal uh, system is that um, you know ironically they give people things that have like uh, chalking you know uh, the the base of like Rennie tablets and things for indigestion and the likes and um, conversely in in actual fact I think as you get older apparently the uh, the the strength of the stomach acid gets less. So, you know, in combination, if you're adding stress and other things on top of what would be a natural sort of aging process, you do get things where where your system changes. And I think this is where, well, it's both interesting that more and more information starts to come to light, but also why it's so important to um, take some of the things that you read or see on on people having like a health blog on Instagram or something like that. And you get all these little facts and they come up and they seem, seem interesting, but, you know, it's always worth checking these out. Because, you know, it really depends on on what your personal circumstances are, whether you've actually got something that's a quite serious, um, you know, medical condition or whether there's something that's actually underlying that as well. So like in your case, when you're describing the, the stress with the hypnotherapy, whether it was, you know, meditations all, all invoked now, uh, all of these things to actually have a bit more balance and to try and help your body, not just with whatever medicine and whatever thing you're putting in, but also to actually address some of what what's the root problem in the first place um that's actually led up to that um and then as i say there's there's always the the thing of like a a little bit of information is dangerous so you can you can take little snippets or little sound bites of what sounds good as a, a little well particularly with advertising you know if someone's trying to sell a product i would always look behind getting reviews from it that's kind of non-biased <laughs> rather than going oh well we found some scientists who will support our claims uh, for such and such because it's great it means we can sell more product 
Um, obviously, you know, with, with natural things, uh, they tend to have not a stronger effect, but they don't have, tend to have the same side effects as well. Yeah. So, um, you know, that's, that's a, a real uh, huge advantage. And then also there doesn't tend to be as many other chemicals, preservatives or extra medicine you have to take to counteract the effect of the other medicine you're taking. So, you know, whilst whilst people often want quick results, sometimes the natural remedies can be a little bit more gentle, but can also be a little bit slower working, you know. So this is why I say if it's a serious problem that you would need to see a doctor about, then obviously you can look at using other things to support and augment that to make sure that you're in good health and that you recover well. But if you, you know, well-meaningly go, oh, well, you know, aloe vera is fantastic, which it is, and you go, it can cure everything. You go, well, okay, great, so I don't need chemotherapy. No, no, the, the, the aloe vera will definitely cure it. And then later on you go, well, no, no, sorry, such and such a person passed away due to that. And you go, they definitely should have had chemotherapy. <laughs> but they maybe should have also had aloe vera in their diet to help all of the effects of how it's then affecting the rest of their system. Because obviously with it being such a strong treatment or even other treatments, even things like antibiotics, because they will attack a serious um, infection, but they also throw the body out so much. So the time it takes to recover, um, you know, those are definitely the times when something that's going to support your body um, will, will, you know, uh, be a real benefit. Um, but, you know, when, when you're getting into things where it's you know serious medical interventions needed then then you need to get be discussing things like that with a doctor to say right okay I've, I've been taking this or I'm planning on taking this um, and will it support it because um, j just for instance actually recently a friend had um, uh, well fractured a leg but with minor fracture um, and was suddenly put on a course of warfarin and the amount of things that she was told she couldn't eat that were all good fruit and vegetables and things, and you would go, well, how can that be bad for you? And how can that be bad for you? Mm -hmm. So, you know, this is why I say you can't ever take a blanket thing and just go, oh, it's fine, it will it will do this and uh, it will cover everything. You have to be aware of how certain things work. Um, but obviously, if you're trying to reduce the amount of, you know, pharmaceuticals you're using, then you're going to have less complications in the first place. Um well, I see it, um, I, again, this is a simplistic way of looking at it, but I, I can remember, uh, I was never really that interested in chemistry when I was at school. Mm -hmm. uh, and then, of course, you've got your mathematical side of it where you've got your chemical equation. And so, mm -hmm. therefore, um, if I look at it th this way, over my lifetime, I've become more inquisitive and looking for uh, things that really I've missed on my basic education. Mm. And if you look at a, a simple education, uh, uh, anything simple in an equation, two plus two equals four. By the time you're putting in all the other bits of chemical or, or chemistry or whatever you're going to call it, plants yeah. or all the different um, compositions that make up the tablets, then really the, the, the more that we're talking now, I'm remembering my dad went into hospital and mm -hmm. they had given him so many different tablets that they eventually threw his body chemistry totally out of uh, any synchronization whatsoever. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. of course... Um, then I'm also balancing that with uh, psychosomatic illnesses where, you, you know, you can think yourself to be ill and you can also yeah. think mm -hmm. yourself to be better. 
I think. Yes, yeah, very much so. Mm. You, you know, even down to affirmations and people who basically mm-hmm. do have this uh, lovely way of conducting their life, uh, even if they've got a problem, um, yeah. th- they'll show you that they're battling to overcome it rather than uh, wallowing in self-pity, you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, okay. I think that's where, when you were saying about the hypnosis, that helps because... It's one of those elements where it gets past, like the thing with phobias, where people go, well, I know I shouldn't be afraid of that spider, but they have an irrational fear, but they can't. It just doesn't gel. It just doesn't click. So until you get round that and get yourself back to a sort of healthier way of thinking, which is why I say, I think, you know, um, words like holistic always used to seem very hippie and very tree hugger. And you're like, oh, well, you know, this is probably probably not good for you or it's, or it's witchcraft or whatever, um, you know, it is so important. And I think, you know... Um, more and more people are becoming aware of like um, nutritional benefits of things and, and having a certain level of understanding. Um, and this is why I say, you know, it's always good to be informed, but also just, you know, being careful as well with the amount of things on the internet to then check that against other not- sources and not just take things as being, uh, right, this is a magic cure, you know, because everyone, everyone wants everything really quick. But, um, you know, you come back to some things that you stumble upon um, and you go, well, you know, this was an amazing plant and it does all these things for us. Uh, even, even nettles, um, I've read something about recently, the, the amount, you know, some people will drink nettle tea. But the amount of um, curative benefits something has like that, that people mm. always overlook as being a weed and, and get rid of. But um, there's a reason that the Romans took it with them places and, <laughs> and it, it wound up populating the UK after they'd uh, been over there because, um, you know, there were so many benefits of it. Very, but, very, you know, it's something very, very true. And you see, even in the in the language, you, you know, mm-hmm. the the fact is, um, I was telling you that you know, I've just come back from Rome four days, um, mm-hmm. and you look at say the Colosseum, and you look at the number of years that that has been about, and yeah. then you look at the state of some of the roads which have only been built, you know, figuratively <laughs> speaking, a few years, although. Yeah, yeah. I was a bit surprised at the state of the roads in Rome. And I have to say that, uh, as I said to the taxi driver, I said, um, you know, it's a great excuse, isn't it, for the uh, the, the, the council. <laughs> if you go over a bad road, they can just say, oh, well, you yeah, know, it's part of the ruins. <laughs> so, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, I think um, a couple of things that uh, we've just been talking about. The psychosomatic, uh, certainly, and certainly hip no uh, suggestive type of things. I mm-hmm. couldn't fly for about five years. Now, okay. the logical side of it, I understand now, because we were coming out of London, going across to America, and lightning hit the plane. And, okay. you know, it was quite um, a nasty experience. Um, mm-hmm. But... I have to say, I again, I'm throwing this one in because just in case somebody else finds a problem, um, I I was offered Paul, Paul McKenna's tapes okay. on yep. flying, which I watched about uh-huh. two or three times, uh-huh. and ever since I've not had a problem. So yeah, yeah. you know, there are there are definitely benefits if you have an open mind, um, and and as we were just talking about the ulcers, I think. Um, exactly what you were just saying, Graham. As long as mm. people take this information and then, this is my next point, when you go to talk to your doctor, now if you don't learn or, and you haven't learned Spanish, then it's mm-hmm. very difficult because uh, we're all getting older 
when we come here, we're a lot younger, so obviously the the problem doesn't manifest itself immediately. But as you grow older, uh-huh. if you can't speak to the doctors, and we've now had a, a period of time when we've been locked down, which meant, of course, that the doctors can live in splendid isolation half the time or yeah, hide behind yeah, masks right. and all sorts. So uh-huh. really, that's now another difficulty, isn't it? The loneliness of people out here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um you know, and uh, as we were talking about with, um, you know, the problems of using video conferencing for all sorts and, and you get technical issues creeping, uh, once upon a time where there would have been that personal connection of, of going and seeing, you know, even just popping to your GP. Now, as many things as possible are done over the camera and you go, well, it does make you wonder how effective it can be as to whether, you know, I know from a teaching point of view, I, I find it's not quite as rich as when you're, in person and one-to-one because you can pick up on all sorts of things from people's body language and, and how they are um, and this is the thing you know it's not it's often it's the whole system it's not just a case of what they can see over a camera it's the understanding the background obviously they can talk to you and find out uh, things you know but um, I think that there are certain things like that that um, you know uh, and, and as you allude to you know we're, we're social creatures and, and the fact that some of that interaction um uh, seems to have been lost and, and not now that things have calmed down that things have gone back to normal it's like no we'll just carry on not seeing people <laughs> and you're like well at, at what point do, uh, are people not getting the you know treatment or or the actual you know one-to-one attention that they actually need i make some very interesting political podcast because uh, there are lots mm-hmm. of things going on um, when I went back to college I was nearly 40 and the first thing I did I read the Communist Party manifesto in which they okay. stated quite clearly if you want to beat uh, capitalism then you have to defeat the family and I think uh-huh. that part of defeating the family is also the ability to defeat the family doctor if you can't go in and have a chat with your doctor who yeah. do you how who do you talk to um which of course especially if you have uh, an internet that gives you so much information we're discussing yeah, yeah. Uh, as as um we were just saying that um if you really uh, take everything verbatim and don't bother to check it then yeah. my next question which is um the claim that aloe vera can reduce constipation now uh, yes yeah you know the very fact well, that you you have a, a, an ulcer can be mm-hmm. linked to constipation can't it yeah 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 no i mean there's there's so many knock on effects in the system and this is why i think um it's one of the issues with specialization as well um i'd i'd heard an interesting thing recently where Someone was saying, well, you know, some doctor may be the particular specialist of such and such. And they go, well, I've got a better way of doing this than nature had evolved your body. So we're going to go in, we're going to operate and we're going to change that thing. But they only see their specialty. They don't see the knock on effect to the whole rest of the system. Yeah. And whilst, you know, I'm not saying they're wrong as that specialist. Sometimes that over specialization means that you don't see the bigger picture. And, and this is why I think, you know, it's interesting that rather than people looking for ineffective cures or, or you know there were certain uh, things like um i'm trying to think of the name of it the um uh, back flower remedies you know the really very just a psychosomatic healing it feels reassuring you're being told oh it does something so you go all right okay that's okay so to a certain degree there's some people it would have simply alleviated their anxiety about something which would have helped calm their system down anyway but the actual medicine you're taking, you're putting a whole lot of faith in something that, that had you know zero scientific um, uh, background in. 
and this is why I say you, you, you'll you'll read a lot of either conflicting information on the internet, which which leaves people a little bit confused and which further adds to anxiety because they're going, well, which should I do? Should I do this more or should I not do that? Or should I have been taking this all my life or, or whatever? And I think, you know, some of those things can, can aggravate a situation anyway. So it's, it's so important to try and find reliable sources of information. Absolutely. And, and then think about things in a, in a, in a holistic sense. Um, and as I say, even holistic used to be a bit kind of woo-woo as a sort of word, but understanding how your mind affects your body and then how your food and, and this is why I say even if it's just down to certain dietary changes even if someone didn't have a medical condition but they went hey I've heard about all these benefits I'm going to start drinking a bit of this aloe vera juice it probably means I've got less chance of constipation or it's probably going to help um, support me not having an ulcer or, or it's probably going to reduce chances of prostate cancer in later life all these little things where you go well you know you're getting those benefits from plants and if you have a rich and, and varied sort of diet then you know there's so many things in combination that that, that that add up to a healthy system um and you get so many different phytonutrients from all these different plants and then because of something like the aloe vera whilst it would seem quite strange if you're not used to eating it you know it would almost seem like little lumps of jelly that unless you're used to that as a jelly pudding, you would go, oh, this doesn't seem palatable. <laughs> but when it's blended up in a smoothie or, or in a fruit juice, you, you don't even notice it, but you're getting all of that soluble fiber. Um, and again, you know, people know about that from having things like rolled oats and things like that help, you know, reducing cholesterol and helping your system move. So there's all those elements of, even aside from a medicinal property, just having the, the, the mechanics of you consuming something, you know, so if someone doesn't have a particularly good diet and they eat lots of fried food and they don't have many vegetables and fruit um, and suddenly they go right well I'm going to start introducing aloe vera juice because I can get it out of the fridge I can pour it into the thing I can have it with that it takes little thinking about a little doing and suddenly they've you know given themselves a real boost because you know they've now made up for some some of the kind of um, impoverished diet they might have had on the other side and whilst it may not mean they're going to be in fantastic health it's a step in the right direction yeah obviously if someone already eats fairly healthy and well balanced it's going to be yet another thing that is meaning you know you've you've less less likely to have problems so i'm going to ask um, you about um two two claims which are really important that we try and get the right information to our listeners because mm -hmm. a lot of people will get to a certain age and suddenly diabetes comes into mm. their life now there was a claim on one of the websites that it aloe vera can help diabetes so yeah. what do you know about that area well I, I have heard any i have heard that also um but i don't really have any in-depth knowledge into that um so as i say if anything you know again it, like i was just saying a moment ago about having the balanced diet if you're having that already in the first place it helps the way your body manages its insulin it helps the way things move through the system it helps cleanse the system so all of those things in combination as the little factors build up to you having a healthy system where you have less problems if you're having lots of um sugary uh fatty foods uh unfortunately it, 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 there's a handful of things that are um unfortunate hangovers from the 70s there was uh, some dietary ideas that that took root that fat makes you fat and and there were bad things and um there was the atkins diet probably yeah. 10 15 years ago that came out and then since then keto has been more on the scene which has taken those original ideas and, and gone a bit further 
so the, the body needs all these fats, you know, to to, uh, to, to transform, uh, transport the, the nutrients and, and things around your body uh, and for so many processes. So to simply kind of in too simplistic a way, villainize fat and go, fat's bad and this is that. You know, ironically, when I was saying about fruit and vegetables, everyone thinks of fruit as going, oh, it's the best thing ever, but there's so much fructose in it. Yeah. So that's great if you need that boost and you need the sugar and you need short-term energy and you're actually using it there and then. But if you just eat lots of fruit or lots of fruit juice and go, wow, why, am, why is my system too acidic? Why am I getting ulcers? And uh, and why am I having uh, – why have I got diabetes? I don't eat, you know, uh, candies, you know, and con- confectionery sort of sweeties. You go, well, how come that's so bad? Because, well, you know, the fructose is fine, but you wouldn't have that as your main um, your, your main staple, you know. So, um, And this is why I say having other things so where you go, well, it's great. You'd have this orange juice but in a normal quantity that you could um, actually squeeze from one or two oranges as opposed to concentrated, refined orange juice where all that's really left is the sugary fructose and the rest of the fibre and any of the good stuff's gone. Uh, Tastes good, and you go, oh, well, it's fruit juice. It it must be healthy. Um, But this is why I say if you have other things, um, like you're having the aloe mixed in with that, often those combinations of having a a sugary thing with a um, carbohydrate tends to uh, balance the glycemic index so you don't get insulins of uh, uh, spikes of insulin um so it's little things like that where if people when they're younger and you, your body's more resilient you know it handles certain things and will eliminate toxins and you'll you'll get away with not eating too well um as you're getting older then you know those things build up and if you habitually are stressing your system and, and making it have to manage all the time um and this is where you know as I say, coming back to just good, good old fashioned fruit and vegetables and, 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 and nice things. And then you, you add um, aloe into the, the mix, whether it's actually used in salads or things or, or whether it's made into smoothies. The fact that you're getting the soluble fiber in there, that on top of if you're having something sugary and not as good already, it's helping your system to move that through and eliminate it. And it's helping mitigate some of the, um, some of the negative effects you might be getting on your system. Okay, so, well, there's, um, there's a couple of things. That, um, there's a link, obviously, if you're into diabetes, possibly mm-hmm. uh, also high blood pressure will come into that. Mm-hmm. Um, and also then um, I did see beware of any laxative effects or yes. l- liver damage over long-term use. So what would we say is a sensi uh, sorry sensil a sensi freudian slip there a uh, uh-huh. what would you say was a sensible amount of uh, the leaf to only have for say once a day are we talking about about uh, a centimeter of the leaf or what are we talking about well i've i've, I've recently um, been reading up about other products where you know some of these do make some fairly grand claims as, as to what they do and they're almost into the, the realms of saying right medicinally it will cure this that and the other obviously they're careful for legal legal reasons to not state it's a medicine um, but they were talking about taking things like uh, 90 milliliters of pure juice per day so if you had a more serious condition obviously taking up to that sort of amount is going to be giving you a bigger benefit but as I say, all of that has to be weighed up and into understanding what your particular situation is in the first place. So, you know, for instance, like what we were saying a minute ago about diabetes, 
if you have a terrible diet and you take something that's a little bit good for you, it's not going to outweigh the balance of the fact that you are still, it's not going to magically cure the fact that you maybe shouldn't be eating as much of the other rubbish that you've been eating in the first place. Um, as far as sort of medicinal things go, um, I think uh, less is less is more always is one of those things, but particularly with medicines, they always look for the uh, lowest minimum effective dose. Um, and then, as I say, with, with natural plant things, you tend to have uh, a more gentle effect on the system anyway. So, you you know, you you would struggle to probably take enough. You know, if, if you were if you're having a liter a day for 10 years and someone goes, oh, yeah, well, you probably had limit damage from that. Well, you probably have because it's like the old expression, too much of a good thing. So, you know, um, but again, if, if you were using that to counter the fact that all of the rest of your diet is terrible, but you go, well, yes, but I've had 500 milliliters of that a day for two, five years and look how bad my health is. <laughs> well, it, it's not the aloe that's necessarily made their health bad. It's the fact that the rest of what they're consuming or the rest of their lifestyle or stress or the other things all around that um, have aggravated whatever the situation is. Um, so I think, you know, just a sensible amount is like um, it, if you are looking to aid digestion and things like that and reduce some of the effects and, and help uh, boost your system is, um, you know, in, in the drinks that you get from the supermarket, they, they tend to be around 30% concentration. They can be sort of between 10 and 30 um, I often find the ones with the big lumps in are a little bit impalatable, and that's why I say I would actually blitz those until they're pureed and smooth. Yeah. And then because it's tasteless anyway, uh, you can mix it with whatever. So mixing it in with a bit of fruit juice or mixing it in with a smoothie or something like that is a great way of um, making it more palatable. What would be uh, your opinion? What would be your opinion on? Uh, the, there's a lot of people now would take an, uh, say a lemon a day. Mm-hmm. Is that overkill, or do you think that is about the right amount? Nothing more. I, I, well, I don't know. I, th- I think I'm I'm always immediately a little bit careful and and wary of um, these um, kind of too simplistic a sort of thing. The the good advice is it's like there's so much advice that's put out that it suits eighty percent of the people, so they go right, it's fine. For the other people, it doesn't suit or that don't do it or don't follow it, it's not going to have that much of an adverse effect. Um, and this is why I say, you know, depending on whether you're just talking about general health and, and a good, sensible idea, uh, I think most people have an idea of, of what seems seems too much. You know, it's like um, you see the colorings in some of these sweets, and it says contains natural colorings, but you'd have to eat a mountain of carrots or a mountain of beetroot to get that much beta-carotene so you wonder why you give these kids these smarties and you go, oh, why are they hyperactive? You go, well, because you've now just, it's almost like heroin or cocaine. You've condensed this thing to the most pure state that you couldn't possibly ingest that much yeah. without doing yourself harm. So your body would naturally, you'd go, oh, I'm too full, I'm bloated, or oh, that, that, that's enough of that. You know, So most things like that in a, in a raw sort of state, you, you would only have so much. So, you know if you were having lots a lemon a day and you suddenly went, oh, just a minute, I seem to be having problems with ulcers and it's making me very acidic, you need to go, well, what else do you have? What else balances that out? Um, because it may not be the right thing for that person. Um, and, um, yeah, and, and this is why I say, I think you always need to be a little bit careful with kind of blanket advice that way. Um, I have yeah. a friend who's got irritable bowel syndrome and I was discussing that with her recently about what we were saying about the stomach acid is she's going, oh, well, I've been told not to have fruit. I'm like, well, you know, that's all well and good as a general thing, but a certain amount of it 
may actually be helping the right balance of stomach acid for you to not then have to take tablets to cure the thing that the that if your system was a little bit more in balance you would already have that but you know again without knowing the specifics you would have to say you know and i think this is where good quality testing comes in you know people will often uh, particularly with foods or, or if they're dieting they'll 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 be a little bit too fatty they'll they'll try something and then they'll take another thing out and they won't be very scientific about it so this is why i say it's 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 really important to make sure that you understand what the problem is whether it's a serious problem whether it's just a dietary problem but actually having enough information whether it's from you know i, I mean often people will do these skin tests to to see if they're allergic to food but your gut biome is completely different than your skin. Your skin's a lot more sensitive. So the amount of people who probably think they're celiac simply because their skin doesn't like wheat on it mm. doesn't mean that you're digesting, as you said, you know, the stomach acid's strong enough to burn you yes. know, so, so many things, yeah. including a lot of germs as well. You know, yes. Aside from food that we, we prepare safely or we cook to kill certain germs, your body does a great job of actually digesting and, and, and killing things anyway because we're used to eat things raw. You know, um, yeah. And as we've developed, uh, there's... You know, finding a balance with your immunity of if you have too sterile a situation, the body doesn't develop its own immunity. Um, and this is why I think coming back to things that are a little bit more natural and a bit, little bit more in balance means that you're supporting that immunity rather than going, well, we're not sure, so we'll make everything as clean as possible and then we'll try and sterilize all the food. And you go, well, why, why are we suddenly not getting the nutrients we need and why do we have knock-on effects of other illnesses because your body's now not getting X, Y, and Z. So, yeah. Um, okay, well, look, we're, we're coming up to the hour, and I, I tend to mm -hmm. go to, back to my academic life and always remember an hour, no, nada mass, nada. Um, uh -huh. if, um, if somebody wants to contact you, uh, what yeah. is the best way? Do you have a website? Uh, I have a website, yeah. It's allovida.org, um, and there's a contact phone number and email and things on there and social media, so... Um, uh, it's early stages yet at the minute. I'm trying to uh, get some more things on, on the blog there and more interesting posts and links uh, like that. But, uh, yeah, that's the, the best way of getting in touch. Um, and, again, if I'm not down at the Verhel market and people are wanting things like that, um, I'm, I'm looking at getting to a stage where I can be selling uh, cut leaves per kilo. You know, So if people were wanting larger quantities than they would just have by having one or two pot plants at home, um, and, you know, it, it, as I say, it's really quite easy to prepare. So when people see how easy it is, I think more and more people would be happier um, to produce it freshly themselves. Uh, and then the, there's plenty of other products out there that are available that are uh, obviously will keep longer because they have got some some preservatives in. But uh, but lemon juice is, is one of those uh, amazing ones, actually. The amount of things that lemon juice helps preserve and cure mm. and whatever is uh, fantastic. Okay, Graham. Well, look, thank you very much indeed for your time. And, uh, You're welcome. I'll look out for you in the markets. And obviously, uh -huh. anybody living in our area, you do Verhel Market. W where else do you tend to go? Just uh, do uh, Pedriga. Uh, tended to alternate that. Um, as I say, at the minute, I'm having problems with uh, driving due to uh, the exchange of driving license and things like that. So uh, it's a little bit sporadic at the moment. But, uh, but yeah. Okay. Well, I'll just ask you to stay on the line for a minute. Uh, okay. In time on a tradition, I'm going to say uh, thank you very much indeed to Graham Ashton. Um, don't forget, uh, we've given you lots of information, and as Graham outlined, do check everything, and please remember, this is not 
medical advice. It's giving you the information that we have. And that is about as far as we want you to uh, go and explore and then check everything for yourself. Graham, thank you very much, Eddie, for your time. Been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure. Likewise. Thank you.